You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Well, who's on the stage? All right, cool. All right, you guys can have a seat. Go ahead. <laughs> well, happy 10 years, Solid Ground. How you guys doing today? You doing all right? I'm fine, too. Hey, if we haven't met, uh, my name's Bert. I'm one of the pastors here. Guys, thanks so much for celebrating with us today. Um, and if it's your first Sunday here with us, uh, yeah, we always have carnival games out front. So just... <laughs> nah. <laughs> Hey, um, I want to just take a little bit of time while we're here together and talk about um, why we're here, some logistics, but also just the heart of all of it, uh, what we've seen the Lord do, and um, the purpose in any of this. Um, so today we're celebrating 10 years uh, of, of ministry together as a church. Uh, here's how that all came about. Believe it or not, uh, 11 years ago, 11 years ago, I was uh, a student in, in just a seminary just outside of Boston. Uh, my wife and I, we grew up here, uh, but we were going to school up there. And um, one year, we, uh, we came back to visit family at Christmas time. And uh, our church really started as a conversation with a friend at Friendly's on Route 1 there. Uh, killer ice cream, um, not much else. But um, the, <laughs> but I remember sitting at this table, and, and, and my friend, his name's Alex, going, Hey, you should come back to the area and start a church. And I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a thing that somebody does um and it kind of it just kind of led to there like I, I didn't know really not that i know anything now but I, start, I knew less than about church planting um and all that i knew was that it was hard so it's like uh i don't know but like you know we open we'll see what the lord leads um so the following summer my, my school offered a week-long intensive class which means they, they crammed a semester into one week uh which means i remember none of it um and it was on church planting, and I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll take this. It's a good thing to have on the resume, a good notch to have in the belt. Like, sure, let's go for it. Um, so we went to class, and the very first class, um, the professor said, hey, listen, we're talking about starting churches. Um, how about we pray before we do that, because uh, we want to seek the Lord and all this. Well, yeah, all right. So here's, in case you're curious, here's my public prayer posture, hands together like this, head down. Like that's, if you ever see me doing this, that's, that's what that is. So, um, so I went to pray, put my hands together, and before my head was even down, I just felt the Holy Spirit speak so clearly to my heart, and he said, I want you to go plant a church in Delaware. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so, so I did the next thing. I went back to our apartment and talked with my wife, because you want to do that before you make a nine-hour move. Um, so I said, hey, what would, you, what would you think if we went back to Delaware and planted a church? And she was like, there's no even hesitation. She's like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, like, it's like that chill about it, too. There's like, well, let me wave. I said, yeah, that sounds good. So we began to call some friends in the area who weren't part of a church anywhere um, to talk about starting something here. Um, and, and I always like to clarify that because we don't exist as a church because we think any other church is doing anything wrong. Like, we're not mad at anybody. We're here because we believe the Lord told us to come here. Okay, and like like we're we like we're part of the capital C church. We believe other churches are our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're gonna show that more and more in, in the coming weeks. But we're here because the Lord told us to come. Um, and so, in June of two thousand nine, we moved down and and uh, oh, let, let, let me backtrack one thing. We as we began to, to pray through and talk about like like what could this be and what should it feel like and the whole nine there. I remember uh, during those discussions. Uh, you know, and, and thinking through all that, having a, a dream one night. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. Um, 
where I, I was in our, you know, I, was, I was falling asleep in our apartment up in Massachusetts, and um, in this dream, uh, I was standing on Second Street in Lewis, um, and and I, I was watching as like a parade was going by, and like in my weird psyche, I think that sort of means like the movement of the, the work of God on the earth. I'm watching like confetti falling and people celebrating. And, and I look across the street, and I see this guy who I went to high school with, and he's got these like really primed proper show dogs around him, like, like these poodles, like just really like pretty dogs. And I'm not even like a show dog guy. Like I've never, like on Thanksgiving when they have the Westminster Dog Show, I've never been like, let me tune into that. Like I've never been that guy, but I'm still, like I'm looking at these dogs. And I'm like, wow, those are, some, those are some nice dogs, right? And then I look down at my feet and um, I see these mutts, like these ugly, dirty, disheveled mutts. Like one of them, I remember maybe Benji. One of them looked like Benji. Like, I, like, like just like, like dirt caked on it. I, I see this other one, and there's like, like I mean, a bunch of us, and there's one, this Doberman Pinscher. And again, dreaming, not on any kind of drugs, just dreaming, okay? This, uh, like, this, this Doberman looks at me, and it talks to me. And, and I'll never forget, here's what it said. It said, will you have us? And I look at him, and I'm like, okay, who's, like, who's caring for these dogs? And I'm like, I know if I say yes to these, I, 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 I won't have the other ones, but like, okay, like who's going to take care of them? And so I'm like, yeah. And what I do instantly, it's like they're my dogs, and they're jumping up on me, and they're licking me, and we're rolling around, and I wake up. And I woke up, and I was like, that's it. Like, that, that's what the Lord wants us to do. He's calling us to create a church for mutts. And so if you're part of our church, like, if you're part of our church, congratulations, you're a dog. But, no, but like, like, like a church, okay, like, if you don't have it all together, if, if you're somebody that maybe other churches would not touch with a 10-foot pole, if you're broken, if you're disheveled, like, if, you, if you're not primed and proper, if you're not particularly like a church person, God made this for you. And he has. And it's been my privilege to watch over the last 10 years as Jesus just redeems people again and again and again. He's anointed us for it. Like, look, we don't shy away on talking about really difficult things here. Yet you guys keep coming back. Why? Let me tell you why. Let me, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why this church exists. Let me tell you why you're here right now. It's really simple. It's because Jesus has been seeking you out. That's it. Even if you've been forgotten by other people, even if you like, like, like you've been an afterthought, even if you thought like God couldn't care about me, I didn't matter to God, what is it? Like, he had you on his mind. In fact, this church doesn't just want you, it was made for you. Jesus has been seeking you out. He has a plan for you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to transform you. You know, we watched this video earlier. Where we saw, and I love it, like I get choked up watching every time all these baptisms that we've seen. In the last like 10 years as a church, not faith decisions, just baptisms alone, we've seen 65 people take their next steps in baptism. That's amazing. That's Jesus. He's been seeking you out, and we shouldn't be surprised by it. It's kind of his thing. One of my favorite stories, let me set this up a little bit. Like my favorite gospel in, in, in the entire Bible is the gospel of Luke. I love the way Luke writes things. It's one of the reasons I named my son Luke that, and I'm a Star Wars nerd. And um, it's true. Um, and, and one of the things that Luke does is he, is he gives like this long string of parables where he's talking about how people matter to God. 
And a lot of us, we think when it comes to God, that like, okay, if we mess up, God is waiting just to kick us out. If, we, if, if, we, if we've run, then he's going to look at us and reject us. But we find the exact opposites in the teachings of Jesus. And so Jesus tells just a string of parables. One, he says, like, listen, you want to understand how somebody is to God who's gone away, who's, who's like forsaken God, who's rebelled, who's sinned. He goes, here's what they're like to God. They're like that person where you know, they lose something really, really valuable in their house. And the person just tears apart the house looking for it. God, or Jesus goes, that's what a sinner is to God. Like he would just tear apart everything because of how much this lost thing matters to him. He said, you want to know what, what, what somebody far from God is like to him? It's like if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one disappears, he ditches the 99 just to find the one. Do you know that you're the one that he left the 99 to go find? And Jesus says that that's the heart of God. The heart of God is like a father whose son has been estranged and all he wants is for him to come home. That's who you are to God. You see, Jesus has been seeking you out. And we see him live this out in Luke 19. We see him actually go after a lost person. He takes parable to reality. In Luke 19, verse 1, the story goes like this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, fun thing about Jericho, a little something we have in common. Jericho is really an affluent town. So for us in our little tourist destination, and if you're like, is it really affluent here? Pay rent sometime, yes. But, okay, so he, passed, he went to Jericho, was passing through, and a man says, was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Let's pause here for just a moment. Maybe you've heard the story. If you grew up in church like I did, you know the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And, and if you didn't, I'm even more weird to you right now. But um, here's something just to understand contextually. So, at this time in history, it's the first century in ancient Judea, Palestine, that area, uh, the Jewish people are under Roman occupation, which meant like the Roman government had come in and they basically ruled them under their thumb. And so one of the things that the Romans did was they to, 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 like collect money from the people. They, they quote unquote partnered with Jewish people and they called them tax collectors. And so certain Jewish people, they would go and they would collect money, taxes for the Romans. But the way tax collectors made their money was this. They'd skim a little bit on the top. So they could just tell you, oh, you owe 20 to the Romans, even though you might only owe 15. And they'd take money and money and money. They were seen like as absolute traitors to their people. They were hated. You could not have a worse sin than being a tax collector. And Zacchaeus here is chief tax collector. And he's very wealthy, which means he's done well cheating other people. I cannot emphasize enough how much tax collectors were hated among the people who lived in the story of the Gospels. Like, I heard one preacher put it this way, and I think he's right. Like, the closest thing, if you want to understand, like, how disgusted people would be with this, I mean, like, we don't have an equivalent, but, like, the closest thing maybe be somebody who, like, for a living sells drugs to children. Like, we would look at that and be like, ah! Like, that's a tax collector to these people. It's why over and over again, it'll talk about how Jesus dined with sinners and tax collectors. Like, tax collector was below sinner to them. And so here's this guy who's chief tax collector named Zacchaeus and said he wanted to see. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He's curious. Maybe you are too. Who's this guy you keep talking about? But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And we need to understand the predicament of Zacchaeus' situation. Okay, he's wealthy, but he's incredibly lonely. We know that because it's a risk for him to appear in public, particularly in a crowd, and he's waiting, hoping to see Jesus, but he can't. Continues. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And look at this. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, 
come down to me. He knows who he is. Are you aware of that, that, that God knows who you are? I know, like, we tend to think, oh, well, yeah, like, God knows who the Pope is. God knows who the president is. Like, God knows the, the, the important people. You know that God knows who you are, that you matter to God. Here's Jesus. He's never met him before, and he calls him out immediately. Are you aware that your situation and your life matter to God? To the point where he knows you by name. To use Jesus' language, he knows how many hairs are on your head. That's how much God has invested in you. So he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. Jesus does not care about breaking social norms. To do this means he would be rejected by other people. They would look at him and they go, oh, Jesus hangs out with that kind of guy? And Jesus says, yeah, that's where I'm going. And so, Zacchaeus, it says he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Well, who wouldn't? And all, look at this, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Ooh. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated, if, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. We're beginning to see something here. That his encounter with Jesus has melted Zacchaeus' heart. Why, like, for, for so many of you, why is it before anyone confronted you on anything, when you came to know Christ, something began to change, and all these things that were so important in your life began just to fall off. For Zacchaeus, it's his money, it's his wealth. And yet now, watch this. He's just like, okay, I'll, I'll give it all away. Like, I don't need it anymore. I found something better. Huh. And so it said, here's what Jesus said. He said, today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham, meaning this guy is among the people of God. This guy matters to God. And, and now Jesus gives his mission statement. It's his mission statement, and because we follow him, it's ours as well. Look at this. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The lost. And it doesn't mean lost in the sense of like reprobate, damned to hell. It doesn't mean that. I mean, you could infer that. But no, in, in light of how Jesus has used this term, like about the lost coin, about the lost sheep, about the lost son. It means that person who matters to God, he has come into the world to seek out and save them. And that's why we do this. That's why we're here, because he sought us out. And we're only here by him and through him and for him. In fact, if you're curious like about, like, you know, what does this church look like? And maybe for you, you're hesitant to plug into like any kind of church body because you've been burned before and you've been hurt and you've been so disappointed and you've been heartbroken and, and you're like, man, I've been so let down. I would tell you, plug in, but we'll probably let you down too. We will. Because, because if you want to know the truth about us, here it is. Listen, we are a group of imperfect people redeemed by a perfect Savior. We do not have it all together. We have not figured out how to do church. I have certainly not figured out how to be a pastor. It's funny. I knew everything there was to know about ministry until I became a pastor. Then, then it turns out I didn't know so much. Listen, we are really, really jacked up, broken people, but we serve a perfect Savior. We're here because He saved us, pure and simple. We need Him. And by the way, do you know, if you don't know Him, do you know that you can? Listen, this same Jesus who sought out Zacchaeus, he lives right now. He has sent his spirit to this earth to seek and save the lost through his body, the church. He wants to seek and save you. Do you know that? Do you know that you can know him? You know what's funny? So I got saved when I was 15. 
Um, I, I was raised in a Christian household. I'm a preacher's kid. Um, it just never took. My heart was hard. And, and, and not too long ago, like, the Holy Spirit was just beginning to sort of take me back through the ways I used to think about God. And it was interesting, like, particularly when I think about the Scriptures. I, I would read the Bible, and I always believed the Bible. And yet, like, like, the Bible always felt to me like a party that I wasn't invited to. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where like, like you have friends who get together, like, oh man, you should have been there Friday night. I was like, I wasn't invited Friday night, you know? Well, that's how the Bible felt. Because like, here's all these great things that God did. You should have been there. And I always like, okay, like, so, you know, back in the Old Testament, here's God parting waters. And, and in the New Testament, here's Jesus, like, healing the sick, raising the dead. And then he pours out his spirit on the church, and they're healing the sick and raising the dead. Isn't that awesome? Wow. And I always assumed, even though no one ever taught to me, I always assumed there was a verse that said, and then God left. I, I always thought that. Like, I always thought, okay, like, that there must be an explanation. Okay, like, so God did all this stuff, and then, like, he left. He left the earth. Because even when I didn't know the Bible, I knew it enough to know that what I read there and what I experienced here were not the same. Like, I, I, I believed in a God who, who okay, like, I, I would read these stories of, like, the apostles stepping out in boldness and praying for healing, but, yeah, like, I would have to apologize for why God didn't act. Like, it was this weird back and forth. Like, I had a ton of religion. I had no relationship with God. But let me tell you something, these stories that we read that contain the words of life, the inerrant word of God, they are not just a best of or a God highlight reel. They are an invitation to you and to me to walk with that same Savior. As we open the pages of scriptures, that God is alive. He has sent his spirit on this earth to fill you and me. We can walk with him. We can know him. And how, how do I know that? Because the Bible teaches it. Revelation 3.20, last book of the Bible. Here's what Jesus himself says. He goes, here I am, meaning, hey, I stand at the door and knock. And if who, anyone, like, like preachers, well, yeah. Well, like deacons, well, well, yeah. Well, like, you know, teachers, well, yeah, but, but anyone. Well, like, what, like, like my, my mother-in-law, yeah. <laughs> anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Meaning Jesus is saying here, he's going, listen, I'm just knocking at the door of your heart. Knock, 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 knock. Saying, I want you to know me. Invite me in. Do you know, listen, we believe in a Savior who saves us not because of how worth we are of being saved. We haven't earned anything from God. The reason that we're saved is because Jesus stands at the door of our heart and knocks and says, let me in. And if you let me in, if you will open the door to your heart and say, come in, I will save you. I will walk with you. I will walk through life with you. You will enjoy life with me. That's why we do this. It's why we get together. It's why we proclaim the gospel because this Savior has saved us and he's been good at his word. He's walked into our lives. And you know, my favorite stories of this church are stories that have nothing to do with me. That the only way you can explain it is Jesus. <laughs> and so I'll tell you some more. And some of you, you've heard them before. You're going to hear them again. We've been entrusted these stories. We will repeat them. I remember those times, you know, back when we were in the Hampton Inn. I'm Route 1 here. And we were like, I don't know, 20 people, is that? And one of the people that came was a guy named Terrell. His wife, Chelsea, uh, I met. She was a waitress at Bethany Blues. I was hosting Team Trivia at the time. And so Chelsea started coming to our church. And her husband, Terrell, had been raised in church, had abandoned all of it, um, was sort of teetering with atheism. And, and Terrell 
was and is a state trooper. In fact, he used to work polygraphs. He's not prone to lying. And it's one particular Sunday, like Terrell had been coming around a couple weeks. I'll never forget, like, like as I'm sort of thinking through and planning church, because I do that for a living, um, the Holy Spirit just spoke so clearly to me and said, hey, this week I want you to do nothing. And I was like, what? Like nothing, no music, no preaching, nothing. Just, just invite a man and then sit there in silence and pray. I'm like, well, well, God, that's really boring. Like that's, that's, re- like that's really, really boring. And also, if I'm missing it, like, I'm going to look like an idiot, right? But I can't get away from it. Like, do nothing. So, okay. So we, we go, and we have our first service of the day. Everybody comes in, like, welcome to church. Shut up. Like, I don't know. You know <laughs> sit down. We sit there for, like, an hour, and everybody leaves. And nothing happens. And I'm like, well, that's stunk. And second service, everybody comes in, welcome to church. Shh. Everybody sits down. Nothing. We leave. And I remember yelling at God in my car on the way home. Like, I can't believe you didn't do anything. I, I listened. I followed. Jack, squat. About a week later, we're at a mutual friend's wedding, and Terrell comes up to me. And he goes, he goes hey, man, I just need to thank you for last Sunday. <laughs> like, like the one where you didn't do anything? He goes, yeah. Why? He goes, well, it just meant so much to me. I'm like, what meant so much to you? And, and he goes, like, well, like, like, the Lord really impacted me there. And I'm like, the same service I was at? And he's like, yeah, did you not see me bawling in the back? I'm like, I did not see you bawling in the back. And also, the room is really small. I don't know how I missed you bawling in the back. I'm like, what happened, dude? He goes, oh, man, it was crazy. So we go to pray. And instantly I'm aware that I'm in the presence of God. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly and he said to me, choose today who you're going to serve. He said, you're 40, you've had your fun, it's time for you to step up and lead your family. Instant different guy from then out. And I love that story because I didn't preach or anything, I didn't do anything. What happened? The the risen, the living Christ did that. Because he stands at the door of the heart and knocks. He's alive. His spirit is here. <laughs> we're in this building because of his faithfulness. You know, for a little while we were in the senior center in Rehoboth. And one of our values as a, as a church is to meet people where they are. And we recognized we had a conflict of value because locals don't want to drive into downtown Rehoboth. I don't know if you know that or not. And so we made a choice. Well, listen, we've got to get out of there because we want to connect people to Jesus and, and just the way that it is, we're creating a stumbling block that doesn't need to be there. So we began to look for other places. And we kept coming back to this spot right here, which at the time was the Unitarian Universalists of Southern Delaware meeting in this building. And we know the Unitarians were leaving. And so we, we come to the building, and uh, it's like, it was nasty. There's no other way to say it. Like, like it, the layout, everything was just really, really different. And on top of that, it was way beyond anything we could afford. Like, at the senior center, we were paying like 275 bucks a week, I think, something like that. Uh, the rent here was 3000 a month. And we didn't have it. Didn't tell the owner that, but we didn't have it. Um, I told you, no perfect people here. Um, and we kept coming back to this place. And one, and one day, I remember bringing the leadership team in, and everybody's looking around, and I, I had a moment where I just stood out in the lobby there and when he used to come in there he used to be greeted by a wall there's a wall with a table right there 
I guess it's like their guest book or something on the table. I don't know, but I remember putting my hands down on the side of this book and just praying. And I was like, Lord, um, if you don't go with us, we're not going to make it. And again, same voice of the Holy Spirit, so clear. I'm with you, go take it. So, oh, shoot. So I exited the building, went out, and, and at this point, the leaders had circled up in the parking lot there. I was like, what do you guys think? And I didn't tell them, like, oh, I think I heard the Lord. Like, no, that would be manipulative. But just, like, what do you guys think? And right around the corner, every single person, yes, 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 yes. Like, okay. Um, so we call the owner. We tell him, all right, listen, we're going to do it. And the realtor goes, great. By the way, uh, the owner would like to take $500 off the rent per month because he just likes you guys. Like, what? Then, all of a sudden, okay, like another guy named Dave uh, Trudenik, who was here at last service, he's a, he's a project manager. He's been working construction for like 20 years. Dave comes up and goes, hey, listen, it's the weirdest thing, but I really feel like the Lord is calling me to take two weeks off of, of work and oversee the renovation for free. I hope that's okay. What? Then, all of a sudden, here comes this other guy, Dan Dean, who's a master electrician. He goes, I'd like to come in and just rewire the place for free. I hope that's okay. Then, all of a sudden, here comes another, like a, a local sign company. Like, hey, we'd love to cover your signage for free. I hope that's okay. And just boom, 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 boom. Like, all these things are happening simply because the Lord's spoke and we said yes and then it was crazy okay we came into this building and when we came in we were 40 people strong with 20 kids <laughs> we were a young church anyway um, and on opening sunday i'll never forget this opening sunday november 1 2015 we opened the doors and we went from Okay, 40 adults, 20 kids. Let me just clarify. We boomed from 40 to 175. People were, I mean, you remember this? They were just strewn across the aisles all the way in the back. Like we went to two services immediately. Um, I still have no idea where most of you people came from. I, I don't know. What happened though? Jesus pulled you in. You see, he's seeking you out. And he stands at the door and knocks it's his faithfulness. He's been doing all of it. How many of you, you were here about a year ago on Pentecost Sunday. When we as a church, we asked the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh, you remember? And we said, right, let's not be emotional here. So we turned on the lights. And we turned off the air conditioning, made it really hot and smelly. And we turned off the speakers. We removed everything we could that could have come from us. I got off the stage and just sat down. And we asked the Lord to fill us. And how many of you began to weep because you were so aware you were in the presence of God? What happened? He happened. He is why we do this and it is only through Him that we can. In fact, my, my prayer for us as a church, like at the end of the day, okay, like when we're all going in the ground and we leave this to the next generation and we entrust all this stuff to them, my prayer is that we wouldn't look at ourselves and be like, oh man, we're really good at this. We're not. My prayer is we would look back on all of this and we would say, look what God did. Look what God did. It was never about you. It was never about me. It was about Jesus and Jesus' priorities and Jesus' power and Jesus' salvation and Jesus' concern for Sussex County and Delaware and America and the world. That it was never about us. It was all about Him. We're only here because He decided that we should be. We've only been sustained because He made it happen i could give you story after story after story of ways where god intervened and we should not have been here 
But we are. Because He did it. And for you today, if you're sitting in this room and you're like, I'm feeling conflicted, I want you to understand something, that Jesus loves you. He created this for you. And so if I'm freaking you out right now, and I'm talking about all this supernatural stuff, and you're like, look, uh, I just need you to understand something. Like maybe you fear God. Maybe you think like God is looking for a reason to cast you to the side. I just need you to know something. Here's why he brought this about, and it's really, really simple. God isn't mad at you. He wants to save you. Can I say that again? God is not mad at you. He wants to save you. He is not looking for a reason to reject you. And as you look at the scope of your life, well, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. He'll go, yes, you have, but I love you, I forgive you. And I'm not making this up. Most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, says it like this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And here's the very next statement out of Jesus' mouth. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Here's the good news. You are so loved by God that even though through your actions you alienated yourself from Him, you rebelled, you deserve punishment, you deserve damnation, you deserve judgment, that's not what He's given you. God looked at you and He looked at me with love. And even though we were steeped in our own rebellion and sin, He sent His Son Jesus into the world. Jesus took the penalty on Himself for you and me. Jesus took the penalty that you and I deserve, the judgment, the wrath. Jesus died in our place. He shed His blood so that we could be saved. Jesus died so that you can be forgiven and reconciled to God, to be filled with His Spirit and made new. And so that you can know that's true, so that you can know that Jesus wasn't just another philosopher who showed up and claimed some really big things about Himself. When He died, after that, three days later, God the Father raised Him from the dead, confirming His Word, defeating death itself, and giving us new life. He is why we do this. We do this because our Savior is alive. And He's got a plan for us, for you and for me. And I may not know all the future, but here's what I do know. He's good. And He's worth knowing. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And there's still others who need to know Him. And so look, I want to invite you to... to come on this journey with us let's be the hands and feet of christ let's listen for the voice of the holy spirit and go where he takes us and if you would say that you you want to be a jesus follower we're going to partake of something together if you're if you're still on the fence with the jesus stuff that's fine we believe give it time he'll show you himself but this is for those who would say that they're jesus followers we're going to break bread together and we're going to share in communion